This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Uh, Several weeks back, I started a series on uh, this thought that I have entitled Reset. And we're just walking through this mentality of doing a spiritual reset with the world going on around us. Uh, I believe we could all agree that we need to reset some things. And I told you that from a technical standpoint, especially in technology, uh, most situations, most problems are fixed. If your internet were to quit working right now, chances are you could reset your modem, you could reset the router, and it would fix the problems. And so, so often we in our life, we need a reset. So I've walked you through uh, four weeks now. This is our fifth week of this series, and we probably have one, maybe two more weeks left, uh, as basically we've walked through some spiritual disciplines. And we started out the process looking at a passage from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah told the people, uh, you're standing at a crossroad. You're standing at a place where you need to stop and you need to look around. You need to ask for directions. What is the direction? Well, this is our way. This is the Lord Jesus is the direction. He is the way. So we ask for that. We find that. And then we walk in that way that's been traveled, the good, old, godly way. We walk in that. We travel that path regularly. And then we find rest for our souls. And then I went the second week through this conversation about dealing with the word. Joshua 1.8 tells us to... Uh, Do not let the word depart from our mouth and and depart from being on our lips. We're to speak the word constantly, uh, continually. We are to meditate on the word. I told you we have to study the word. I told you we have to live the word and then thank you, Jesus, through the word, we can prosper. And I don't know about you, but that is exciting to me to know that this word is uh, prosperity, if you will, in itself. And if I follow and I'm faithful, I'm going to prosper through the blessings of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the third week, we looked at an idea of fasting. We've been on a 21-day fast. If you've been fasting with us, today is day 21. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, So we are concluding our fast this evening. And so we've been walking through this process of fasting together, and I hope that you've seen God answer prayers. I hope that you've seen uh, yourself be spiritually sensitive um, to what God wants to speak to you and what he'd want to do for you. We talked about why we fast, and I told you that fasting is part of that old, good, godly way that we're searching for. I told you that uh, when we fast, our physical actions bring spiritual movement. We see that through our worship. We see that through our fasting. Whatever we do physically, it brings the spiritual movement, and it, it kind of shakes heaven and, and sends angels our way. And then thirdly, I told you we fast because we're hungry. We're all starving for something. God's placed this empty hole inside of us that only can be filled with himself. And we try to fill it with everything else. We try to fill it with uh, all kinds of junk, if you will, when really all that God's wanting is us to fill it with him. And so we fast because the fact is we're hungry, we're going to eat something, and and it's much better to eat of his presence to consume him, if you will, rather than consuming the things of the world or even uh, consuming each other and tearing each other down. 
And then last week, I told you that we were going to look at prayer. And we took the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, and we broke that down. And I give you uh, several different, different things that your prayers should include. And our prayers should always include praise and thanksgiving. They should always include a process of seeking, seeking the will of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? How can the, the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven? Well, we have to seek his will. We seek him. And then not only do we, we seek, but we also prayer should include asking. We can ask for our daily bread. We ask for the things we need, the desires of our heart. And this should also include forgiveness. God's forgiven us. And his word tells us that if I can't forgive my brother, then uh, how in the world could he ever forgive me? I have to forgive because he's forgiven me. And then prayer also guards us from temptation. I believe wholeheartedly that if you're in the act of praying, uh, temptation cannot overtake you and the enemy has no power at all. Your flesh, uh, the desires of, of your flesh cannot be walked out if you are in the process of continually uh, in this conversation of praying. So today I want to continue this conversation and, uh, of reset and I want to walk through this thought process that so many people hate talking about. Uh, I'm personally excited about talking about it today and, and we're going to talk about money. And if you're hanging out with me, stay with me because I don't want you to leave. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to give everything you have to the church today. I'm not going to tell you that if you send $1,000, the Lord's going to pour out blessings on your life in 24 hours. Could it happen? Absolutely. But that's not the purpose of this conversation. The purpose of this conversation is to see blessings in your life. I want to see you prosper. I want to see God pour out his blessings, as his word says, on you today. And so that's this conversation and I believe that uh, as we walk through the beginning of this year, especially if we want to do a true reset, we've got to discuss uh, something that was at the very heart of Jesus. He talked about this. He dealt with this. And so I've had several conversations over the last two and a half years revolving around money and giving. Most of the time, those conversations were about giving of our time, of our worship. And, and we revolve those around in some way, shape, or form of those. I want to deal specifically with the idea of money today. Your temporal means, how it is that we handle our money. I want to lay a foundation from Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look at this. Uh, this is the last part of Mark chapter 12. If you've been following our reading plan daily, you've actually read through this already. And so I want to read this little short passage to you from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Uh, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put everything in that she had all she had to live on. This conversation takes place uh, as Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. Jesus has been in the temple teaching. It's, it's actually after he's gone in and cleared the temple and he's got all the money changers out and the people that were buying and selling the sacrifices. He's kicked all them out. He's kind of got frustrated. And then he starts teaching. And he starts this conversation really uh, in, in the beginning of chapter 12. He starts teaching in parables uh, really the first part of uh, the, the last part of chapter 11, and he walks through the entire uh, chapter of chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. And they're, they're sitting around and Jesus is watching. You know, you can learn so much by watching people. And that's really what I think Jesus is hanging out doing. He's, he's just there. He can see the treasury box. It's almost like this chest, if you will, where they come through. We have fancy little black boxes on the back wall. Uh, in the temple, they had this beautiful chest that they'd go through and they drop their offering, their tithe into it. And Jesus is sitting around and he's watching people. 
And he sees all these rich people coming through and they're dropping these large sums of money in, which is fantastic. And this little, uh, this, this widowed lady, this lady that should be taken care of by the church, this lady that should be um, being ministered to, she comes through and she puts in her two little coins, which we would, we would recognize as a penny. It's all she had. So Jesus being moved by this, he calls his disciples, he finds this teaching opportunity, he calls his disciples to him and he says, uh, this poor widow has given out of her poverty where everybody else has given out of their abundance. Now I, I already told you, I'm not gonna ask you to send us all your money today, but I want us to look at the idea of really the fact she gave everything she had. I wanna give you three truths today that maybe answer some questions uh, that we can think through when we look at the idea of money. First of all, I wanna tell you that God wants you to prosper. The idea that God would want you poor, broke, and messed up is incorrect. God wants us to prosper. Don't misunderstand me, don't mishear me. The love of money is the root of all evil. If you have a love for money, greed is a very dangerous thing. But God wants us to prosper. He wants us to have the desires of our heart. He wants us to have the things that we need. He even wants us to have abundance so that, that the things that have been given to us can be given back. And there's no way we can give back if we don't actually uh, prosper ourselves. This begins in Exodus. I love this thought process. When God created the Sabbath, Jesus said that it wasn't created, man wasn't created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. Well, when we look back at tradition, the Israelites were used to working seven days a week. The, they were used to working with the Egyptian people, and now they've been released from that freedom. They've got out on their own, and God's basically given them another day at the end of their calendar week to rest. That means that in six days, the children of God can do as much, and they can prosper in the same that everybody else was taking seven. God wants you to prosper. We continue on Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Proverbs 13:22 said a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. This is his grandkids. A good man can leave an inheritance to the grandbabies. But a sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. How can we leave an inheritance for my grandkids if I'm not prospering? God wants us to prosper. Proverbs 21.5 said the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. The plans of the diligent, those that actually work, that, that put our hand to the plow, we've got something going and we're constantly moving. The, the word says that we surely, that leads to abundance, but everyone who hastily comes only to poverty. Proverbs 28.8 says, whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. God wants you to prosper. Why? Because it's through prosperity, it's through God's blessings and abundance on our life that I can turn around and give back to somebody else. God wants you to prosper. We have to understand that truth from the very beginning and the very onset of this entire conversation. Number two, God is your provider. God is your provider. Listen very carefully to this statement. If God never used another dollar to do it, he could always and would always still provide everything you need. If he never used another dollar, he could and he would still provide everything you could possibly need. Our minds can't really even comprehend that thought process and that statement because everything we need, everything we want, everything we see would cost us something. If you want to go buy a, a drink from the convenience store, if you need some gas to put in your car, you want to buy groceries from the grocery store, you're going to buy these things and they take money. 
But the reality of the fact is God is our provider, not a dollar bill, not a peso, not a, uh, not a Swiss franc, not any other kind of currency. God is our provider and he does not need my money and he does not need your money to provide what you need. Philippians 4.19 said, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need you could ever have is going to be supplied through God, through Jesus Christ by God. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this verse, the NIV translation says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. God's intention for your life is to prosper us. It's to provide for us. Psalm 37, 25 and 26 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God will provide. We are righteous. We're faithful. We're obedient. We're doing what we're supposed to do. Never have he, we have ever been forsaken. Never has it ever been to a place where we had to beg because God is a provider. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Psalm 37, verses 18 and 19 said, the Lord knows the days of the blameless, the, the ones living righteous life, the sinless. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They're not put to shame in evil times and in days of famine, they will have abundance. When everybody else is, is battling this famine, the children of God, the righteous, the blameless will have an abundance. It is God's will, he will always provide. As, as we seek first his kingdom, he adds all these other things to us. What are the things? Well, the things are anything we need according to his will. He supplies to us according to his riches and glory. God is our provider, and he doesn't need another red penny to provide for you and me. Thirdly, the last thing I want to tell you is God wants it all. He wants everything. We begin our conversation with the story of a widow woman giving her offering. And if we pay attention we see that out of her poverty, she gave everything, all that she had. Matthew chapter 22, verses 33 through 34, Jesus is being questioned about the greatest commandment. The Pharisees are trying to trip him up. They're trying to understand. And, and the word says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You love the Lord, or love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's the greatest commandment. Luke records in his gospel in chapter 12, verse 30, 34, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So if I'm supposed to love the Lord, my God, with all of my heart, and we can parallel my treasure with my heart, doesn't it make sense that everything that I have, I'm to give him all of my treasure? God wants it all because it's all his to begin with. James tells us, if you've been in our uh, James Bible study, if you were here this past week, we had a conversation and we talked about the fact that every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights that never changes with a shadow. 
So therefore, everything that you have, the very couch that you're sitting on right now, maybe your feet are propped up in a lazy boy, uh, whatever it is, the, the very roof over your head, this, this church house, everything that we have, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. Therefore, it's not mine to begin with, yet he wants it all. Everything we have belongs to God and he's lending it to us so that we can use it to bless other people. So what happens when we realize that everything belongs to him and he wants it all? I told you in the beginning of the conversation that I'm not going to ask you to send $1,000 for a 24-hour blessing. I'm not going to ask you to give everything you have to the church. If you want to give to the church, God bless you, you need to. That's not the way this works. But I can promise you this. God expects you to tithe. It's an expectation that, that is of us that comes with a promise. God expects us to tithe, and with that expectation comes a promise. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. The tithe is simply a tenth. A tenth of your increase should be brought into the church. If you can't give a tenth to this church, I'm going to make a very bold statement, and I don't mean to offend anybody, and I love you. But if you can't give a tenth to this church, then maybe you need to find a church that you support the vision and the mission of that church enough that you can biblically do what you're called to do and what you're expected to do and give your tithe to the storehouse. God's calling you and he's got a, this expectation of you to give the tenth, the tithe to the church. I'm not asking you to give everything you have, but a tenth is required. But it comes with the promise that he's going to open up the, the windows of heaven, pour down his blessings on you. I saw an interesting t statistic uh, the other day that made me really think and do a little math. We have about 100 people that call this church their home church. And that doesn't even include many of you online that, uh, that you have other churches and you just kind of supplement, uh, if you will, with these videos and with our church services. But we've got about 100 people that I would say probably call this church their home. And it's really maybe a few more than that. We're just going to use 100 for this thought process. Most of those 100 people received a $600 stimulus check, or maybe you're going to receive a $600 stimulus check. And so if you tithe on the increase of the $600 stimulus check, that would check, that will be $60. And if 100 people do that, the way God's called us to do, that would be $6,000. Let me tell you what $6,000 could do. That's $6,000 that could make a difference in orphanages around the world. It could buy school supplies and Christmas presents for kids that don't have any here in our local communities. That's $6,000 that could help support mission overseas. It's $6,000 that could support evangelists here locally in the United States that are doing local missions. It could buy supplies for the Agape Pregnancy Support Center that we're talking about we're supporting. There's so many things that $6,000 could do out of your simple tithe. Now that's just one example, but that's the truth of the way this really works just something to think about. Your tenth could really accomplish a great deal. There's a much bigger picture here, though. God doesn't just want your tithe. He wants it all. God wants everything. What does this look like? Well, if we accept the fact 
that God wants me to prosper. And we accept the fact that God's going to provide everything I could ever need. If we accept the fact that everything I have is already God's and he's simply lending it to me, it changes the way we handle the resource. If you borrow $100 from me, you're going to handle my money, hopefully, Lord willing, a little more careful than maybe you would handle your own $100 because it's not yours, it's, it's mine. Everything we have, the Lord is simply lending to us. So what does it look like to give him all? Well, it's being responsible with our finances. There's things that we spend money on that have no business being, uh, you know, coming into our life, coming into our, our bodies, if you will. Being responsible with our finances, realizing that everything we have is from him and it's for the benefit of us, but also more so the benefit of other people. How do we spend God's money? How are we raising God's kids? How are we uh, treating God's sons and daughters that we call our spouses? How are we thanking him for the roof that he provides over our head? God wants everything that we have. We're to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and strength, all of our resources, our relationships, and our thoughts and our actions. God wants everything. How can I give it all? I can give it all because it's not mine in the first place. How do I know that I can't outgive God? Because God doesn't need another dollar to provide everything that I need. God is my provider. How do I know that I'll always have more than enough? Because God wants me to prosper. His word says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It'll be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will also be measured back to you. Give. When I give, it's coming back, not just the way that, that I even gave it, but pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why does it run over? Because it's not all about me. It's so that I can be full, and then the people around me can also receive that blessing. They can also receive the generosity from the goodness of God and the blessings on my life. But here's the other side of the equation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, This is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You always sow what you reap. My mama said that my whole life. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So I wonder today, you know, maybe you've got everything all together. Maybe you are a fantastic tither. Maybe you have got it all worked out and your budget's all in order. Or maybe it's not quite and you need to make some changes. I just want to tell you, you can stand on the three truths that God wants you to prosper. God is going to be your provider, has always been and always will be. The employer might write the paycheck, but God gives you the ability to go work for the employer. And then God wants it all. Maybe you don't know Jesus today, and this is all just like, why in the world have I even watched this whole video? Well, fantastic. I'm thankful for that because God wants your life. The blessing and the benefit for you is God wants you to prosper. And God will always provide for you. But he wants all of you. 
So if you've never accepted Christ into your life today, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I want you to, to do that. All you have to do is, is the word says that uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. So I want to pray with you for a moment. I also want to pray for you there today that maybe you've not been given your all. Maybe you've not tested God with your tithe. Maybe you're not giving above and beyond out of what you really could. Maybe you're not giving your all. Maybe you're not seeing the big picture that it's not just your wallet that God wants, but it's all of our life. The way we, we use our resources, God wants it all. I want to pray for you today. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you want us to prosper. I thank you, Lord, that you've got a desire for us to leave an inheritance for our children's children, God. And I thank you that as we are diligently working, God, we can see the, the abundance that comes. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the, the blameless, the righteous have never been forsaken, Lord, and your children have never had to beg for bread. Father, I thank you for provision. I thank you for prosperity. Lord, it's not about a prosperity gospel. It's about your provision on our life. But through that, and to receive those blessings, we have to give it all. You want all of us today. Father, I pray if there's anybody watching today that don't know you, Lord, I pray that as we pray this prayer together, Lord, and they repeat this prayer after me, God, that, uh, that you would come into their life and you'd make a difference. If you don't know Jesus, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need you in my life. Change me change my life. I give you my life. Make me new today. Forgive my sins. I recognize that you're my Savior. In Jesus' name. Father, those today that are not giving you everything, maybe they've not been given their tithe, maybe they've not uh, been pouring out there, maybe they don't realize that their kids are a gift from you, their, their spouse is a gift from you, their house, their cars, the food, everything we have, Father, is yours. It's yours that your word's telling us. You're just lending us. Lord, let us prioritize the way we use our resources so that we could do what you'd have us to do today. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for every person that's taken the time to watch this video, Lord. I pray that you pour out your blessings on and bless, bless your people today, Lord. Lord, touch your people. Let your face shine on them. Give them grace and peace. In Jesus' name.